Amazing. All right. So you guys ready? You guys ready to jump in? All right. I know it's a, it's a rainy day. I feel like when it's rainy, our, our emotions just kind of get like, blah, right? So here's, here's my, my, my uh, charge for you guys today is I need you to talk back, okay? It's one of those mornings where we're going to go on a heavy topic. It's gloomy outside. We're going to interact. We're going to have fun. It's going to be powerful. Um, so let's jump right in. I'm going to start by saying this, that I believe that there is one singular thing that connects the entire human race. It's one singular thing that connects the entire race, human race, and it's pain. That every single person in this room has experienced pain, is experiencing pain, or will at some point. That pain is an inevitable part of the human experience. And I think that it's so interesting that the God who put on flesh could have chosen to live a life absent of suffering. That he could have came in an invincible state, yet he chose a vulnerable state. Right, we're in Christmas, we're remembering and celebrating the birth of Jesus, that Jesus could have came in an invincible, almighty, you know, he doesn't feel pain, he's just stomping everywhere and destroying, you know, all of the, the enemies around him, but he came and he submitted himself to be like us. And I believe the reason that Jesus came, not in an invincible state, but a vulnerable state, is for him to be a God who is with us, then he had to enter into the singular thing that connects us all. That's pain and suffering. And so today I want to speak on a topic that we tend to ignore in the church. Today I want to talk about suffering. I was praying for today. I was like, you know, Lord, you know, this is going to be part of one of the the last Sundays a lot of our students are going to hear. Um, what do you want to release to our community as we enter into the holidays and the next season? I was like, it's going to be a glory word, right? We're going to like see the face of God. And the Lord's like, let's talk about suffering. And I really believe that there's something significant in the timing of this. I know holidays are a season for a lot of people that does bring pain. A lot of you have lost loved ones. And holidays are the times where that pain becomes a lot more real. You know what I'm talking about? Where that pain becomes a lot more tangible, where, where you're, you're remembering the thing that you used to have that you don't have. <laughs> so today I want to talk about suffering. Suffering, by definition, is the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. The state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. That can be physical, emotional, mental, relational. And I want to encourage you, just because you may think you're not going through something that seems large, don't disqualify yourself from the suffering you may be experiencing. And so I want you to take a moment before we we jump in to identify what is currently bringing you pain, distress, and hardship. Take 20 seconds. Write down if you have to. I want you to keep this in the back of your mind as we go and say, what is something, even if it doesn't seem large, maybe it is large, that's causing you pain, distress, or hardship? Let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26 verse 36 to 39. I believe this passage is, is one of the, the, the most craziest passages that we see about Jesus. As I was preparing, 
There's so much of this passage that I'm still unraveling. You guys ever read a passage where you're like, I, I, I see what this is saying, but I'm not fully digesting it. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's just so many layers here that, that when we actually dive in, it, it's actually kind of mind-blowing. So let's read it. It says this, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished with distress, or anguished and distress. He told them, my soul, listen, this is Jesus, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Who's ever felt that? He says this, stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground. I want you to picture, this is Jesus. He talks to his disciples. He's inviting them into his anguish, into his distress. And then he walks away a little bit and he gets on his face. And he says this, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Think of Think of what Jesus must have sounded like as he was saying this. He wasn't like, Father God, if it's possible, right? His voice was probably shaking. My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. And he ends and he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So this is the moment, the final moment before Jesus was going to be captured and crucified. Think about the fact that Jesus knew a disciple that he loved and served for three years was going to betray him. He knew one of his closest friends, Peter, was going to deny him. He knew the gravity of what it meant to die on a cross, that he would be mocked, spat at, and tortured. He knew he would be flogged nearly to the point of death before they hammered metal spikes into his flesh. He knew the prophetic words of Isaiah saying that he would be beaten so badly that he would be disfigured beyond human likeness. All of this was running through his mind as he was at the final hour before his capture. This is God with us. That we see that Jesus was in a state of deep anguish and distress. His soul was crushed with grief, that he was in so much suffering that if you read the rest of the passage, he actually pleads with the Father three times. Father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering away from me. Now, this is where things get kind of crazy, is this is God. <laughs> he's fully God, fully man, but he's God, right? We all agree? Okay. But not only that, Jesus was aware of what was going to happen. I believe he knew the details of what was going to happen to him. But not only did he know that, he also knew the details of his resurrection. Okay? So he knew the suffering, but he also knew the glory. He knew the resurrection. He knew there was hope. <laughs> yet he was still in deep sorrow. Michael got that. <laughs> he knew there was hope. He knew there was resurrection, yet he was still in deep sorrow. What does this mean? 
just because you have future hope, it doesn't dismiss the pain of the present. I'll say that again. Just because you have future hope, it doesn't dismiss the pain of the present. That you dismissing your pain because you think it makes you more spiritual doesn't make you mature, it makes you ignorant. We have this, and I'm going to hammer on charismania because we're in it, but in, in charismania, if you know what that means, that's just like a, a joke on charismatics, but as charismatics, we, we feel like we have to be more spiritual than Jesus sometimes. It's like, if I'm good with God, then I'm like, I'm on cloud nine all the time. Which, yes, we have joy in every circumstance. But it doesn't mean every circumstance is joyful. I'm going to say that again. Yes, we are called to have joy in every circumstance. But it doesn't mean every circumstance is joyful. And we've, we've almost adopted this mindset to be spiritually mature. We can't be in pain. Because if we're in pain, that means we're weak. And if we're weak, that means we're not trusting God. Has anyone gone that rabbit hole? Yeah. But what does Jesus model? What does Jesus show us? Just because you have future hope, it doesn't dismiss the pain of the present. Isaiah 53 verse Three, the prophet Isaiah, hundred years, hundreds of years before Jesus' arrival, he prophesies very, 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 very specifically about what the Messiah is going to be like. You can read this whole passage, which we want today, and you'll see details of what happened to Jesus. But Isaiah 53, it says this about Jesus. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows. Other translations call him a man of suffering. Listen, it says, and he is acquainted with deepest grief. He's not just acquainted with superficial grief. He's acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. That Jesus is given the title man of sorrows. Not only because of what he will endure, but because it's something that he deeply understands. Wonderful counselor, almighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. We love that. He's also a man of sorrow. He's also the son of suffering. Not because he just experienced it, but because he deeply, say it deeply, understands it. Guys, when you are in distress and pain, this Jesus is acquainted with what you're feeling. In your pain, your acquaintances. <laughs> He's there. He's not just there because he has to. He's not just there because he's omnipresent. He's there because you're acquainted with suffering. That there is no high and no low that Jesus is not with you. Guys, God being with you isn't just theoretical, it's tangible. Because he suffered, he can sit with you in it. Guys, one of the worst things is when you're processing pain with someone and they don't understand. Not, not only you know, do they show like they don't understand, but they actually don't understand. <laughs> Jesus can do both. Jesus can show you that he understands and he actually understands. 
not just because he's all-knowing, not just because he's omniscient, not just because he's all-powerful that he you know, has a download of suffering, but he lived it. He's called a man of sorrows. This is, this is an identity. The Savior of the world identifies with suffering. That's weird. I don't know if I like that. Our brains are like, ah, I cannot compute. That's good. Tim Keller, he says, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. Doesn't mean suffering disappears, but suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is with you and for you. But if you are certain that God is for you and with you, suffering can be bearable. And suffering can actually be glorious, which we'll get into. Now, Matthew 26, 39, let's go back to the Garden Gethsemane. So Jesus went on a little farther. He bowed with his face to the ground. His face is literally in the dirt. This isn't like a nice church with shag carpet, right? This is in the dirt. We know from other accounts that his sweat because of the stress, not just because it was hot. Has anyone sweated because they were stressed before? Yeah, it's weird. Your body gets all hot and flushed and you're like a little anxious, you get patchy. You know what I'm talking about. But it says in Luke that he was so filled with anguish that his sweat was falling like drops of blood. Now, there's some interpretations that think this was an actual, there's an actual condition where, you know, you can be so stressed that your pores literally sweat blood. And we don't know that exactly, but either way, we know if, if you've ever bled out, it like gushes. It's heavy. It's not just like, deep, deep, deep. It's like, right? This, this, was, this was what he was carrying. You were what he was carrying. So Jesus is on his face, face on the dirt. This is the Messiah, face on the dirt. He is sweating. He's probably weeping. We know Jesus wept. Whole situation's getting really muddy right now. My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. What is significant about what Jesus models, I want you to listen to this, is he experienced excruciating suffering, yet he didn't run from it. He actually embraced it. He didn't only, he didn't just run from the suffering. At the end, he says, I want your will, not mine. He embraced it. And I want you to think about this. When you experience pain or suffering, how often is our first response to run from the pain, to cope with the pain, to suppress the pain, or even to ignore the pain? And if I did a survey... <laughs> In this room, I think probably 95% of us would say, yeah, this is my natural inclination is to run from pain. Because we don't like it. And I just want to give you a quick note. You don't have to like it. Jesus didn't like it. Jesus wasn't like levitating and was like, it's all going to be Okay. You don't, have, you don't have to love suffering. But you have to understand how to suffer. So what Jesus is modeling is so radical. C.S. Lewis, he says, we shall draw nearer to God, 
not by trying to avoid the sufferings inherent in all loves, but by accepting them and offering them to him, throwing away all defensive armor. If our hearts need to be broken and if he chooses this as the way in which they should break, so be it. How often do we want to run from the suffering? I know for me, the Lord's been revealing how much I hate weakness. How, how, how uncomfortable I actually am when I feel weak. And I didn't know this until recently. But if I was to be sitting next to my son, he's almost four, and he falls off the couch, he busts his knee, and he's crying, what will we do? Just pick him up. We wouldn't say, hey, August, just ignore yourself, just ignore your pain, get over it. You'd be a really crappy father if you did that. Some of you have that father. But that's not the way Jesus modeled how to interact with suffering. Because here's the thing. When you run away from suffering, listen, suffering doesn't disappear. I'll wait for it to pass by. You know, maybe the the calm before the storm, maybe it'll just, you know, go over there to Amherst, skip over Lynchburg. When you ignore suffering, you're not bypassing pain, you're just delaying healing. What's happening when you ignore pain and you run away from suffering because it's uncomfortable, because you're told as a kid, hey, get over it. You're told as a kid, hey, pain is bad. You need to man up. (laughs) When you have been ingrained in that and when we are so used to the natural inclinations of the flesh to run from pain and suffering, what is happening, you ready? You're actually losing touch with your humanity. Jesus suffered fully God, fully human. I think we can all agree Jesus was perfect. Jesus reveals to us the standard of what new creation is supposed to look like. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus' life on earth, he says, follow me. What are we following? The way he lived. That's that's what we are as disciples. We call ourselves disciples of Jesus. What you're doing is you're following the lifestyle and the way and the values and the person of Jesus. And part of that is understanding suffering. He's a man of sorrows. Philippians 3.10 says this. You guys okay? Okay. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That's awesome. Look what he says. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. I want to, this is Paul, I want to suffer with him. Guys, there's actually a call to suffer with Christ. And the key word Listen, the key word here is the word with. Say with. It isn't, let's just be martyrs and suffer for Christ, <laughs> which I used to think that way. That was like my dream. You know, we've all had our like zeal. We're still zealous, but we've had our like overzealous, like I'm going to be a martyr in India. I had that phase. Um, Maybe it'll happen, we'll see. Um, But Paul says, I want to suffer with him. 
with him, with him, with him, with him. Guys, this is what true spiritual maturity looks like. It looks like embracing your suffering with him. Because when you run, you cope. When you run, you disengage. When you run, you disconnect. When you run, you get numb. (laughs) Right? So when we embrace suffering, doesn't mean you got to like it. Jesus didn't like it. But when you embrace it and say, I'm going to suffer with him. Guys, it changes everything. Suffering until Jesus' return is a part of the human experience. And I think there's something really profound here. And I want you to hear me, my, like the hardest message, I, I know we've, there's been those people that are like, let's all just suffer for Jesus. And it's like, our, you know, we just want to suffer. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. God wants you to live in abundance. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be the whole in him. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. But Jesus didn't run from suffering. And there's a call that when suffering comes, this is what we do. God is with me. God is with us. Emmanuel. This was not supposed to be a Christmas sermon. It just happened. Emmanuel, right? God is with us. What does that mean? Not just he's with us because he's all-knowing and he understands suffering, but he's with us because we're acquaintances. He's with us because he's acquainted with grief. He's with us because he's been through it. He's with us because he understands you more than anyone ever will. This is what it means to suffer with him. Do you know how intimacy is formed in relationships? Sharing your pain. How intimacy is formed... (laughs) In marriages, if you're married, shout out. Good, you're excited about it. It's awesome. How you grow in intimacy with your spouse is you suffer together. And this isn't like, woohoo, like I'm excited to get married and suffer with my spouse. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're married in the room, you understand you can only reach depths within your relationship when you've been in a state of pain and suffering. Do you know why? Say, why, Pastor? Because they see the real you. Suffering makes us in touch with reality. When you suffer, you can't hide. When, and, and, and hear me, when you're actually in engaging with suffering, you can't hide. You can hide from suffering. But when you're actually engaging with the pain and the grief and the sorrow, when you're engaging You can't hide. That when we suffer with him, it actually makes us in touch with what is actually happening. Too many of us are not in touch with what is happening inside of us. We're so out of touch. Like... Oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm in there. I'm in that group. We're so out of touch with who we actually are. 
And do you know what's so profound about what Jesus modeled in Gethsemane? Is that he's in touch with who he is. So Matthew 26, 40 to 41, go back to the story. It says, then Jesus returned to his disciples. He said, come pray with me, I'm in, I'm in anguish. Like think about like how vulnerable that is. This is Jesus. Like as a pastor, I'll be honest, it's vulnerable to share my weaknesses. Jesus, like this is literally Messiah. He's inviting them into anguish. They, they probably have never seen this level of anguish in Jesus' life up until this point. He invites his closest three, Peter, James, and John, stay up with me, suffer with me, pray with me. And Jesus goes away to be intimate with the Father and he comes back and they're asleep. He says, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Guys, they didn't even last an hour. It wasn't like a four-hour revival service. It was like one hour. He says, keep watching, pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. That Jesus invited his disciples to suffer with him, but they fell asleep. Because this is what happens when we run from suffering. It's as if we fall asleep. We become numb and disconnected. Not only that, we miss out on the opportunity to be with Jesus in the midst of it. That I don't want us to be a people that miss out on the invitation to be with him in this way. Like I said, intimacy is formed in relationship inviting them into your pain. This is what Jesus was doing. And they missed it. That when you are suffering, Jesus says, hey, I've suffered. Be, be with me in it. Let, let's, let's be acquaintances. Let, let, me, let me be with you in this. And how often do we just Fall asleep. I had a conversation with my wife once. Let's give her if I'm vulnerable. No, okay. Um, I won't be vulnerable. See, you guys just fell asleep on me. Look, look what happened. Um, I had this moment with my wife where, you know, I was wrestling with some pain and Again, my, as a man, even just me personally, my natural inclination is, you know, I got to fix myself. I got to go process it by myself. And then I'll present this like beautifully processed box of pain to my wife, right? It's like, I figured out why I'm, I'm hurting. Here you go. Any other guys do that? Thank you. Thank you. I'm not alone. Um, but my wife said this thing to me once. She's like, Andrew, I remember like, I'm literally weeping, right? I'm weeping and I'm processing this thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like process it as much as I can and then I'll go to my wife. I'm like, hey, so this is what's happening. And she's like, I wanted you to process it with me when it was happening. But you actually robbed me from a moment of intimacy with you. So Jesus wants to do Sit with him in it when you don't even understand what you're feeling. I'm going to say something that some of you guys might not like, but I don't care. We go to our counselors before we go to Jesus. I'm not dissing counseling. It's important. I value it. But you're actually robbing yourself of intimacy. So I think we can all agree that Jesus is perfectly holy, right? Okay. In this moment in Gethsemane, Jesus is perfectly holy, correct? Which means that suffering is not in conflict with holiness. 
suffering is not in conflict with holiness. Now, things that cause suffering, like sin, can be in opposition to holiness. But the very experience of suffering, oh, I want you to get this. The very experience of suffering isn't in conflict. It actually connects you to holiness. Because suffering is the one universal thing. I want you to hear this. Suffering is the one universal thing that makes you incapable of self-reliance. If you could rely on yourself, you wouldn't be suffering. If I can just spend, spend some money, it'll fix it. You're not suffering. If I can just, you know, turn the knob this way, you're not suffering. It's maybe inconvenient for a little bit. But suffering is the one universal thing that makes you incapable of self-reliance. I don't know what other thing can do that. Suffering can do that. And guys, if you try to live a life that is void of suffering, or you try to live a life that tries to avoid suffering, listen, you're actually pursuing a life of self-reliance. I'm gonna say that for this group. If you try to live a life that just tries to avoid suffering, oh, I don't wanna feel that. I'm just gonna go work out in the gym. Well, that really hit some people. <laughs> it's called conviction. Just kidding. Um, oh, I, I don't want to feel that. <laughs> I'm just going to go play video games. Or I, I don't want to feel that. I'm just going to eat. Or I don't want to feel that, so I'm not going to eat. Or I don't want to feel that, so I'm just going to cope. When we avoid suffering, we're actually pursuing self-reliance. Listen, suffering positions us to grow deeper in reliance on Jesus. It's only when you realize Jesus is all you have that you'll realize Jesus is all you need. So this is why Paul says in Romans 5, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. But we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces, say produces. There's a product of suffering. Suffering produces character. Suffering produces perseverance. Suffering produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Wait. Hope does not put us to shame. We glory in our sufferings. And sufferings produce hope. And hope does not put us to shame. You don't have to have shame for suffering. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. When you are suffering... Count in as glory because there's more of his love to fill you. That if you need to develop character and hope and perseverance, or let me say this, if you feel like you're not developing character, if you feel like you're not developing perseverance, if you feel like you're not developing hope, you're probably ignoring suffering. You're probably avoiding suffering because you don't want to feel it. Because you want to be self-reliant. What's happening is you're missing out on the product of suffering. You're missing out on your character being built. People who have suffered and have come out of it clinging to Jesus have the best character. Some of you young college students, you need to suffer a little bit. I know you don't like that. You're like, tweet, Pastor Andrew. You need to suffer. 
but your character will only grow when you embrace pain. You actually stay immature when you continually run from suffering. Tim Keller, he says this quote. I want you to listen to this because this is, this is profound. Profound. He says this, Jesus lost all his glory so that we could be clothed in it. He was shut out so we could get access. He was bound, nailed so that we can be free. He was cast out so we could approach. And Jesus took away, listen, the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you that is being cast away from God. He took that so that now all suffering that comes into your life will only make you great. And read that again. And Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you and that is being cast away from God. He took that so that now all suffering that comes into your life will only make you great. A lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond and the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into somebody beautiful. Isaiah 53, let's go back to there. Four to six, it says this, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Guys, because Jesus endured the ultimate sacrifice and suffering on our behalf, every pain and sorrow we go through is now filtered through redemption. It doesn't mean we don't feel it, but it means our suffering can now have a purpose. There can now be a product of our suffering. But if you go here, we, we sing about the blood of Jesus a lot. We, we, we start every worship set with thanksgiving. Scripture says we enter his courts with thanksgiving. So we start every worship set with thanksgiving. And what are we thankful for? His sacrifice. That's what we start. So we always start by remembering his sacrifice. And so when we talk and sing about the blood of Jesus making us clean, let's not forget that precious blood was a result of him willingly embracing suffering. If suffering that terrible, think about it, suffering that brought God to his knees and said, I'm crushed. I'm crushed, I'm, my, my heart is crushed, I'm stricken, I'm, I'm filled with grief. If, if that type of weight, that type of suffering can produce something so beautiful and good, which is our redemption, think about what your suffering can produce. What may seem like the most horrible, unredeemable thing, Jesus says, if you allow him to suffer with you, your crushing will produce something so beautiful. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. The name Gethsemane means the place of crushing or the olive press. <laughs> that Gethsemane was an area near Mount of Olives where they grew olives, obviously. And this was a place that they would produce olive oil. That in scripture, olive oil represents a couple of things. A few is, is the presence of the Holy Spirit, consecration, intimacy, and healing. And so just as the crushing of olives produce olive oil, suffering produces more of God's presence consecration, intimacy, and healing in our lives. But if we run and we try to suffer in our own self-reliance, we miss out on what he wants to produce in us. 
I'm going to end here in 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13. You guys okay? It says this, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all of the world. I believe Bill Johnson says that it's only on this side of heaven that we can actually worship in the midst of suffering. When we get to heaven, that's an offering we can't give him. When we get to heaven, there is a, a, a type of intimacy that can't be produced that we can only produce here on earth. I think that's profound. Man, I wanna give Jesus something that I can only give to him while I'm here on earth. I don't know about you, but that sounds really valuable. Intimacy that is produced through dependency in the midst of your suffering is worship. It's worship. And so to wrap this up, at the beginning of this sermon, I wanted you to take a moment and identify what is currently bringing you pain, distress, or hardship. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, grieving a transition, whether it's abuse, whether it's heartache, whether it's a sin cycle, whether it's financial struggle, whether it's sickness, whatever it may be. I want you to embrace that suffering and not run from it. I want you to picture yourself inviting Jesus to suffer with you. Not just Jesus standing there as you struggle at his feet, but the man of sorrows who's acquainted with grief sitting with you in it. There's something about suffering with him that actually allows us to understand him better. We see this language all the time that I wanna be joined with his sufferings. There's a, a verse in Acts, I believe Acts 4, where apostles, they're ministering and you know, they're getting persecuted, they're getting slandered, all these things are happening, they're getting persecuted, and they leave and they say this line that's so, so pure and beautiful. They said that we count it all joy that we may be counted worthy to suffer like him. We, we count it joy that we can suffer like our Savior. And that doesn't mean you're suffering in a way that you're just like floating and like, man, that was great. But you're not self-reliant. Jesus wasn't self-reliant. Father, please, But yet in the midst of it, he submitted himself. Not my will, yours. In the middle of my suffering, not, not what I want to get out of it, but yours. I don't want to rush out of this because it hurts. I want to be crushed until you produce the oil. I believe that there's something really significant that the Lord wants to deposit in this room. That I believe that if you feel stuck in your relationship with Jesus, it's because you've ignored suffering. I want you to get this. It's because there's an area of pain that you said, Jesus, I don't want you to be here. There's actually an area of yourself that says, Jesus, you're not worthy of being here with me. It's too scary. It's too dark. It's too hard. It's too uncomfortable. 
And that's actually an act of rebellion. That's actually disobedience. And you're carrying this thing that you know, man, you, Jesus, like, you need to feel it. You, you need to enter in. You, you need to embrace the pain of it. Because if you don't, you're going to stay numb. And if you don't, you're not going to be able to see me clearly because you're still seeing me through unprocessed pain. And the invitation today is saying, Jesus, I will suffer with you. I will embrace the suffering and I'll sit and I'll let it crush me as long as you're there, as long as you're with me, as long as I can be with you. Guys, I'm tired of Christians just being numb and then throwing a bunch of spiritual jargon on top of it, thinking that you're good. It'll catch up to you. You'll get married, you'll have kids, it'll catch up to you. Suffer now. There is such a thing as holy suffering. Let's pray. If you need to get on your knees, get on your knees. Jesus, man of sorrows, suffering servant, lamb of God who was slain. We just invite your presence to be here with us. I just want you to think about that one thing that came to your mind was causing pain, distress, or anguish. Just to start with that one thing. Jesus, I repent from running. I repent for falling asleep. Lord, would you awaken me to my pain? It's a dangerous prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. David says, search me and know me that there is any offensive way within me. Holy Spirit, would you awaken me to any unprocessed pain that you want to bring up right now. And Lord, I repent from running away from it. I repent for ignoring it. I repent for choosing to not deal with it and carry it. That a lot of the addictions that you carry in this room are a result of things that happen to you. You can't heal from that cycle if you don't allow yourself to feel 
the pain that ushered it in. So Jesus, we start here and we say that we embrace the suffering. We allow ourselves to feel the anguish. We allow ourselves to feel the pain that this is a holy invitation. It is holy to be like Jesus. And Jesus felt the anguish. What makes you think that you can ignore it? So we feel it. Even if we don't want it, not my will, but yours be done. And I ask, Holy Shepherd, would you be here with me? Would you be my companion in this suffering? Would I see that you are acquainted with my grief, that you are acquainted with my sorrow, that you are acquainted with my pain? Let me see just how safe, let me see just how tangible you can actually be if you allow the Lord to unlock this one piece, guys, it's going to create a domino effect. Lord, would you let us feel what we've ignored so that we can heal? We invite your crushing. We invite the pressure of that thing so that you can produce character and perseverance and hope and intimacy and more of your presence and a set apartness and healing that by your stripes we are healed. And so, Lord, we become acquainted with your stripes. That when Jesus raised from the dead, he kept his wounds. He didn't try to hide them. He didn't try to come back without any scars, but he came back with the wounds still in his hands and still in his sides, but they weren't bloody, they were healed. Guys, you can't heal what you keep ignoring. And those scars are meant to bring healing to other people. So Lord, I ask that you would make us in touch with ourselves. The one that you see. Not the imposter. Not the facade. Not the version of myself that I put off for other people to like me, not the version of myself that tries to appear more masculine or more feminine or less feminine or less masculine. Lord, I want to see the real me. And I let my armor fall. I let my defenses fall. And I invite you to be acquainted with my pain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to hide from weakness. That we don't have to run from suffering. Paul says that when I'm weak, he is made strong. 
when I come to the end of myself, when I stop being self-reliant, then the power of God can come. Because he's invited in. And so, Lord, we invite you in. Can we just say that? Lord, we invite you in. We invite your power and your healing in, Lord. Would you start to shift mindsets and thought patterns? Would you start to give us a pure, clear image of our Savior? The one who is in heaven and is worshiped for being slain. That heaven still can't get over the fact that he suffered. That his suffering has created an eternal ripple effect that will never stop. The enemy wants you to keep your suffering hidden and ignored when your suffering can have an eternal ripple effect on the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Lastly, Lord, I ask that you would just rewire our understanding of suffering? Would you change the flavor? (laughs) Would you give us a holy perspective? In your name we pray, amen.